You're listening to NCG Top 100s, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the NCG Top 100s podcast where we take you inside a virtual clubhouse to reveal stories about the courses that feature on our rankings lists on nationalclubgolfer.com. I am joined once more by the chief, the man who ultimately has the responsibility of putting all of our lists together, NCG Top 100s editor, chairman, Dan Murphy. Hello, Dan. Hello, what a billing, Steve. Uh, Great to be with you again. Great to have you. Now, if you were following us through our first season of podcasts earlier in the year, you'll know a team of 17 panellists, including both Dan and I, have been hard at work, if you can call traversing the country playing golf that, reinvigorating our list of England's best courses. You can now see the results of that on our website or in the latest beautifully produced edition of National Club Golfer. You can find that either in your clubhouse or it can be viewed digitally and we will put the link to that into the bio for this podcast. Given that it's out there, the fruits of a whole season of discussion, cogitation, and yes, some argument as well. Dan and I thought it was worth spending some time rummaging through the details, answering some of the questions we've already seen on social media, and giving our own opinions and favourites on how that list came together. So let's get stuck in. Right, Dan. Um, So we've got the list, the top 100. It's out there for everyone to see. Um, this is fundamentally a different list from some of those that we might already see out there. We do it in a different way. So why can't you just explain the methodology and how this list is put together? I'm I'm thinking in particular about a social media question that we get a lot, which is why is this course not included? (laughs) Yeah, and um, it's always worth um, re-evaluating uh, as we do every year um, how we put our list together um, what we're trying to achieve um, so I think there are a few things that we do differently um, one is that fundamentally we only consider the golf courses themselves we don't consider anything that goes around them whether that's um, ballet parking or the quality of the putting green or the um, or, um, or the catering uh, or indeed um, uh, other golf courses on site um, so we, we, we just consider the golf courses in isolation and it's, we do that um, not because we, we, we think that the, what goes around is not important. We, of course, it's important in some ways very hard to separate, but we claim no expertise whatsoever um, in what makes a good off course experience. And we don't think it's fair to penalise an otherwise great golf course because it doesn't have um, um, a, a decent practice ground. So, so we, we very much only look at the course in isolation. And that, of course, massively shapes the list in a certain direction, um, for better or for worse. But I would like to think that if you're interested in golf courses and golf courses alone, um, then I would think that I would, well, I would hope that uh, we are a good place to start. And I guess the other thing. Uh, that I'd want to get across right from the outset, and I could obviously talk for an hour just answering this question, is I think it's hugely important that lists are current and they are up to date. Uh, Nearly every course in our England list has changed um, to a greater or lesser extent just since we last did it um, in 2018, uh, let alone, um, you know, for for a longer period before that. And I 
I just think there's a real danger in doing uh, rankings based on what what courses were like on one visit in 1998. I think the memory plays tricks, uh, and I think that uh, golf courses uh, are changing. And at the moment, we're we're in an era where fantastic for us golfers that just about every course uh, is improving to a greater or lesser extent now that can be anything um you know from 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 working on one green or maybe you know putting a new corner on the side of it because it's changed shape over the years to something uh, on a, on a, on an altogether grander scale like we're seeing at the Addington is a, a great example uh, and of course then you have brand new golf courses so uh, JCB Club would be the uh, the shining example of that so so much changes that I think it has to be current and that's why we pledge to visit every course on our shortlist uh, in the year of the ranking um, pandemics permitting um, because we at least but then we've got one member of the panel who can give us an up-to-date view to set alongside uh, the views of the, the rest of the panel so I've tried to be as brief as I can there Stephen I still fear I've spoken for several minutes it's fine I'll get you to speak for some more minutes uh, about issues of this in a second I mean let, let's talk about the Warburn question in particular, I'm not picking on Warburn here by by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a question that we've been asked repeatedly on social media. You know, why have Warburn not been involved? Why are they not in our lists? And, and they're one of a number of courses that aren't involved in our lists for a specific reason. So if you just outline to listeners why that is. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think it's on to discuss um, courses um, on an individual basis. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a, a little bit unfair. Um, I, when we um, start doing these rankings, we contact all of the clubs, which is another of our fundamental uh, tenets that we, we don't go for this mystery shopper thing. Uh, we, we 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 tell people what we're doing because I, I think that clubs get very frustrated when a new ranking comes out and they've no idea where the ranking has come from. Has anyone ever been? Did that person have any idea what they were looking for or what they were talking about? Um, so so we, we tell them what we're doing. We we share our methodology. Uh, and then when we go and visit, we make ourselves known uh, and uh, to chat to whoever wants to, uh, to chat to us. Um, so obviously, um, I uh, talk to the clubs very regularly um, throughout these lists um, for uh, various reasons. And, and often a, um, a club will say, actually, for um, whatever reason, um, I, I don't want to be involved this year. Now, that can be anything from we're very, very private, we're not looking for, for, for visitors, uh, to one a couple of years ago where the irrigation system had failed. They said, we just don't want to be, uh, we just don't want you to look at us this year. And then um, one instance this year, um, because they, they, were, they were in the midst of a fundamental redesign. Um, so it, we, what we, we would have been reviewing would have been um, very different to, um, to to what might be there next year. So when, when a club um, contacts us uh, and, and, and says, yeah, actually, for, for whatever reason, we don't want to be included, then we are uh, tremendously respectful of that. Um, and we just try and make it clear that we haven't included them um, so, that, so that that's understood. Uh, from our point of view, we obviously would like to work with all of the courses to make the best possible list. Um, but, but like I said, there, there, is, there is absolutely no intention of ours to include anybody who doesn't want to be included for whatever reason that, that may be. That's entirely up to them. Yeah, and I think there's a, a wider principle at stake as well. And you referred to this earlier on about, you know, that principle of visiting every course on the shortlist over the course of the year. Now, if you a club for whatever reason doesn't want to be involved, then you're going to be looking at that course based on memories that are perhaps in the past. And you, and you alluded to that yourself earlier on. Yes, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, we're all different, aren't we, in terms of how um, how memory works. But you know, I I, I have a rule um, that I think about ten years is about the limit for a sort of a useful uh, recollection 
um, of, of a golf course. And I, I just know that from my own experience that I go back to places I haven't been to for a long time. And I think, oh, my goodness, it's just just not how I remembered it. Now, part of that is, is the failures of my own memory. But the, the other thing is that golf course is a living, breathing thing. So they change uh, in, in, in that time. So, yeah, the uh, cu- current current views are, um, uh, are really important to us. So we've um, we've been through some of the methodology and I hope we've answered some of the questions there that you've posed to us on our various social media channels. Let's get into the list now. Might as well start at the top with number one because we've got a new number one mm. time around and it's uh, it's Royal St. George's. Are you uh, I think you said, didn't you, in the in the digital magazine that Royal St. George's was your number one. So why don't, why don't you tell us about what it is about this Kent masterpiece that makes it, at least in the opinion of um, yourself and the rest of our panel, England's number one. Do you know, I was recently uh, reading Goldfinger um, by Ian Fleming um, and, uh, and and reading the, the section about uh, Royal St. Mark's, um, which is obviously uh, Royal St. George's. And, um, and I was thinking how richly um, uh, Fleming captures um, something about Royal St George's. It, um, it, it, I find it very evocative. Um, obviously, spent the whole um, of um, a week in July um, traversing um, the links. It's a very different type of golf course to uh, Birkdale, um, for example, which it has um, narrowly uh, displaced. Uh, there are plenty of Birkdale fans on our panel. Um, you know, as in, given the choice, would uh, would, would choose Birkdale. Uh, I just think that Royal St George's has a sense of wildness, of scale, of um, splendour, of variety, of, of, of eccentricity. Um, I just think there, are, there there is so much to enjoy, um, and it was fascinating, you know, spending several hours uh, on on the links uh, as you did, Steve. This this July of picking up things about new holes. You know, I think of the couple of hours we spent together. Um, Behind the twelfth green, uh, and just seeing how that how that hole played, and the options off the tee, and and where people were, were ending up from, and I I just think that that St George's has just got so much to offer, um, and no matter how often you you go back to it, uh, that there's new fun things that, that you pick up. So it's a, it's a course that's um, that's very very close to my heart. How, how difficult is it to rate courses like this because you know I was thinking about Birkdale which which obviously was my number one and which was our previous number one um the, the first time that we did these rankings a few years ago and, and George's and Birkdale even though they're links feel to me to be kind of fundamentally different experiences and that led me to going a bit wider and, and thinking about how you rate a Lynx land against a Heathland or against a Parkland I mean I'm looking at our top 10 list and it's there's a sort of 7-3 split in favour of links against England, mm. it must be, you know, as the chairman of this panel, it must be like really, really hard to get a measure of, you know, what makes one course slightly better than another, because, you know, particularly in our top 10 and, and probably, you know, really throughout our list, they're all fundamentally fantastic experiences. Uh, yeah, it's, in, it, it's incredibly different, isn't it, to um, compare and contrast different styles of golf course. I mean, I, th- I think you try to ask the, the, the same questions about the, uh, the quality of the design and the, uh, you know, the, the variety and the, and the test and the, and the intrigue and the surroundings um, in, in the same way. But um, I, I think I would prefer to concentrate on the England list being very special because it, it, it is almost entirely full of links and Heathland golf courses, a couple of moorlands and a little tiny bit of parkland. But what makes England golf special, uh, English golf special, is its inland um, 
um, characteristics. So there is very little truly outstanding um, inland golf in the British Isles outside of England. Um, I'm choosing my words very carefully because there are some um, uh, notable exceptions. Uh, Glen Eagles uh, would be one that springs immediately to mind. But, if, if, but actually, most of the great inland golf in the British Isles comes in England, and that is because England has been blessed um, with this um, incredible heathland, uh, which is um, even rarer as, as a category of golf course than Lynx. So it's very, very special. Uh, provides conditions that are in some ways similar to Lynx, of course, um, generally even courses as well if they're high up um, that that, that generally means that wind is a factor and, it, and, and it's all about firm bouncy turf so brilliant to hit from um, and, and obviously means that there's an element of, of running game to it um, so so you say links is dominating I say isn't it amazing that this list is um, it's almost exclusively links and Heathland um, amazing really yeah, I, I think the uh, overriding feeling, though, is just of the exceptional golf that there is in England. Um, throughout the top 10, maybe through the top 20, um, I think, you, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Dan, there's always a sense a little bit of these courses are so brilliant that there's, there's a shuffling of the pack, but you would expect those courses to appear, really, and it's mm. down the list where... Um, we'll see some um, some really big moves. I mean, I think in, in our current list, Royal West Norfolk actually is an exception to that because they, they rose considerably into, into the top 10 this time. But as we look further down the list, we can see some remarkable moves this time around. I'm, I'm, look, I'm thinking in particular of um, the Addington, uh, Princes and Seton Carew that, that all moved hugely. I mean, what do you think about um, what that says about what those courses are doing or have done and the opportunity that there is to sort of accelerate um, through these lists. Well, the, the, the funny thing, just to start with um, Royal West Norfolk, is that they've done precisely nothing. I mean, <laughs> I mean that course is, uh, you know, it's as pure of, um, uh, an example of what you would have found if you'd have gone there a number of years ago, um, as, as can be found um, in the list. So, uh, so there you go. But it, um, and I, I think one of the things that you, that you wrestle with when you when you update these lists is to what extent you should be constant to what's gone before and to what extent you should be uh, moving things about. Now, the, the truth of it is that we um, are constantly uh, working on um, our panel and, and the people on the panel and the, the, the quality of those people. And of course, the, what they, they, they bring different things to it. Um, and you're always and we're also tweaking our methodology because we're trying to make better lists. And um, in the case of um, Brancaster, it was just very, very clear that there was love throughout the panel for that golf course. Um, and and it, it was it was simply too low um, uh, where we had it last time. So, so that's um, I guess we've rectified uh, as much as anything. But, the you know, when I saw it there sitting in 10th place, I thought. Well, that's obviously where it should be in the eyes of our panel uh, under our methodology. Uh, the other course is, uh, yeah, is, is, is for very different reasons. Um, and I, I guess the place to start would just be the the, the heartwarming story of um, of, of Seaton Carew, which is the oldest golf course in Durham and Yorkshire. Very, very proud history. Um, sits in um, in Hartlepool. Uh, is not blessed by its surrounds. Um, I think it's fair to say. Um, and, and for years has been recognised as a very, very good golf course, um, but um, I guess has been relatively unloved outside the uh, those who were really determined to look at the golf course and, and not what's around it. Um, and then the that golf course has been transformed. Um, well, I mean, it, I, I mean, fair play to the to the golf club for, um, for, for 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 grasping the issue, but the 
they recruited uh, a quite exceptional course manager in Tom Coulson, who was uh, deputy course manager at Royal St George's, local to the area, uh, joined in the early stages of the pandemic last year. And the changes that he has made to that golf course in the um, whatever 18 months that he's been there, um, absolutely astonishing. Um, and I would I would just urge anybody who um, hasn't played Team Crew, hasn't played it for some time, uh, to go and have a look. And um, I'd, I'd be amazed if you didn't agree with um, the... Uh, the um, eye-opening uh, rise in the rankings. Uh, it's, it's, it's a brilliant story, and I, um, and, and I don't think that I don't think they're done yet. Um, you know, they've done an enormous piece of work just now, uh, taking out a mile and a half of um, book form, uh, which has opened up the sea views, which Steve, I know you, you you saw um, as recently as last week. Um, but I, I think it just shows what's possible, uh, and you know, when you have a fantastic canvas to work on, which which they undoubtedly do at that. Just just looking at Prince's as well. I mean, Prince's was the highest riser in the list. I, I, there's two things to talk about there. One, obviously, the work that Prince's are doing um, and have done with uh, Mackenzie and Ebert. But secondly, this is what happens when you do a list for a second time, Dan, isn't it? And you kind of reevaluate what, what's happened before. Yeah, well, uh, Prince's um, was, was right on the cusp um, of of their work when we did our previous list so so when we were it was unfortunate timing that when we released by the time we'd released the last list um the works the himalayas nine had been done and at the time that we were ranking it um it hadn't or it was in the process of being done um and now of course they've gone further than that and they've and they've seen uh, what was possible with what they've done for the uh, the himalayas nine which you know, i think it, i think everyone except was the weakest of the three nines and had in in many judges eyes had got to immediately to being the strongest of the nines um and and so since the um uh, they've then worked hard on improving shore and dunes as well so you I mean you now have um um, a 27-hole um, complex um, that is impressive from uh, from one end to the other, and you know I think I think I, I'm allowed to say that it was in places was uh, a little tired, a little uninspiring, um, and now um, that 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 has just gone, and there's wow factor uh, everywhere you look. Um, so yeah, a massive success story, and um, and, and great to see that recognised uh, rightly by their position in this ranking. And again, just showing the importance of recent visits. I mean, for example, I uh, didn't rank Prince's um, because I hadn't been there for a number of years. I'd obviously seen the work that had been done with Himalayas, but Shaw and Dunes have been transformed, as, as you rightly say. And you've had panellists who've been there this year who could give you a much more up-to-date um, view on how the complex was looking. Right, let's move on past the hundreds to the next 60. Uh, and, and talk about some of those who, who've just missed out, because I think, and, and you've said this the first time that we did this list um, four years ago, that England golf, uh, English golf, sorry, has such great depth. And I think that we see this throughout the shortlist. Uh, shortlist. And there are a number of courses here who, um, you know, who really only just missed out. I mean, I'm talking by like fractions of a point here. Uh, yeah, it's the and it's the worst part of um, of doing these lists so that, um, are those that narrowly miss out, um, and it, it, it is so tight. Um, and I was speaking to a club um, just the other day who were uh, understandably uh, very disappointed, um, and I was trying to explain to them that they were one and a half marks away from being thirty places higher, and that's you know that that's basically nothing, um, and it, it is incredibly competitive, and we we can all pick a course out. Um, that we think has been um, uh, unduly harshly treated, um, and yours will be different to mine. Um, no, it's, it, it's very, very difficult. And, and in the England list, I mean, we, we do a hundred. It's obviously an arbitrary cutoff. Um, I mean, you could very, very easily 
do um, 200 um, in England and uh, you wouldn't be running out of seriously good golf courses and you know perhaps in years to come we'll we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper because uh, the 100 is so arbitrary. Yeah, I'm going to ask you um, for a couple of honourable mentions in a moment I've, I've got two or three that I'd like to put up first I mean the the the, um, the opener for me is Formby Ladies who I think are um, you know hugely unlucky being on the bubble yeah. at 101. They are dreaded 101. Yeah, they they are a course for which I've got huge love. Um, I I just think as um, I mean it's it's immensely playable for a start. Um, I had my captain's weekend there um, and shot still the lowest score I've ever shot on a golf course. So I have warm and fuzzy and fond memories of the place. Um, Cleveland again, you know, at 104. Um, of course, I think that where they might be embarking on some work in the future, so it'll be interesting to see where they where they arise. I've been a member there, obviously, so again, probably showing some bias there. And and Enville, Enville's Lodges course, um, and I'm going to have a fourth actually in Appleby. <laughs> I could just keep I could just keep going. I mean, Enville's Lodge course for me, um, the pine setting. I mean, with those those pine holes are just are just in, incredible and and. Appleby um, for a course that I'd never heard of before you basically pushed yeah. in its direction. I just just an incredible place. Yeah, I mean, we could we could go on and, and name them all, I guess, if I was going to say one, just because of what it stands for. I'm very sad that um, Painswick just dropped out of the, of the top 100 um, because I think it's an important golf course. And I think it's, it's one of those courses where it's a um, I'm not sure we can be friends. Kind of course, if you if you meet somebody who says, "What on earth is Painswick doing in that list?" Which I know some people do, um, but for, for those that don't know it, um, it's under five thousand yards. Um, it's not got any bunkers, um, and the first hole, um, I'm happy to say, is as bad a first hole as almost I can think of because you have to climb up um, to get to the uh, to get to the good stuff uh, but the, the the holes on the top you play um, into an old grass fort if you can believe that greens the size of handkerchiefs um, uh, there's this amazing kind of lunar landscape um, looking over the Cotswolds um, and I just think there's how you could come off that course without a smile on your face um, and how you could come off that course and not think I want to go and do that again um, I, I don't know, and these things are, are, are so important uh, to me. Um, and it, you know, and even now thinking about it, you know, in the in, in the middle of December, if you if I could go and play anywhere tomorrow on the list, uh, I'm not saying Pains would be my first choice. That would be exaggerating, but I would love to go and play there because because it, it's fun, and I think that's often overlooked with uh, with these rankings, which we obviously take terribly seriously. Uh, but a golf course that's fun goes a long way in my book, and Painswick is undoubtedly fun. I've got a question on my laptop here that says any surprises. I'm not sure whether that's a fair question to ask you, actually, you know, to, to see whether there are any courses that you think uh, that surprised you in the list. But but you can look at that in a positive way, I think, as well. So let, let's go with it. I mean, uh, in, in that top 100, are there any courses to you that sort of stood out where you thought, do you know, actually, um, this this is this is really, really not been what I thought it was going to be? Um, well, I think that um, I think when you're dealing with a new course in these lists, that's um, that's a real head scratcher. So um, JCB um, coming in this year, um, some people will be surprised, perhaps, that it wasn't high. Some people will think, how on earth has it got halfway up the England list? Um, all, all I would say is that. Um, 
it's very, very difficult for new courses in England um, to, to do well in, in, in an England list. Um, there, are, there are very, very few courses in our top 100. In fact, indeed, in our top 160 that are, you know, that are of the, the modern era. Um, so I think that um, for JCB to be a new entry in the 50s is, um, is, 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 is quite exceptional. Now, whether we have got that right, um, time will tell. Um, and quite possibly in the next list, it will move significantly um, in either direction uh, as, you know, as more people get to experience it and the, the course obviously settles down. But I think that's probably the hardest thing. You might have already answered this, but um, I'm going to ask you about the course that you felt should have been in the 100. If there was one course there where you thought, right, this is nailed on, I'm going to put this in. And then the panellists have had their say in it and it hasn't made the 100. Which course would that be? Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there are a few that, that yeah, make you slightly sad when um, they're not loved. Um but you, I think you always try and you try and understand that. So we all get courses at home that we catch on a good day, or you know when when the stars align. There are lots of reasons why that can be, and I think you you know you the, the list is the way we do the list is a democracy, um, and and the thing about a democracy is nobody gets exactly what they want. Um, so I, I I always try and be. Uh, respectful and try to make sure that no one voice uh, gets to gets to shout out too strongly. And now, obviously, when people when individuals react to a list, um, so a, a chat the other day was was saying that he, he just c could not take any list seriously that ranked Rye above S and A was the example that he'd chosen. Um, now, you know, our list is not the list of one person. So I think that you know sometimes people think, well, what does it stand for? But you you know we we've got a list of what I consider to be seventeen very very um, knowledgeable panelists, but they all have different views, and that's why I want them on the panel to try and to, so that we can be balanced. Um, and then you hope that um, that what what they deliver is something that's um, that that sort of mature and stands the test of time. But the, there are always courses um, that 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 we disagree on, and that's uh, I mean that's the beauty of doing it really. Surprise question for you now. Um, what is your favourite hole in English golf? If I had you to pick one hole from England that you would go and play in a minute if you had the opportunity to do so. I, can, I mean, look, you, I can see, if, if, if only the listeners could see you racking your brains right now. I think <laughs> that one. I would have stumped him, folks. Um, well, God, that was a brutally unfair question i'm absolutely seething that you've asked me it without, without <laughs> giving me a chance to think about it but i can I, I can only say that that um a couple that spring to my god i'm going to regret whatever i say i'm going to regret there are, i think there are two holes when i when i play at birkdale i just think it doesn't get any better which are the uh the par four second and the and the short 12 which i think are sort of best in class that that, all, that always spring to mind uh and then you and then i guess you always think of um uh, the fifth and the sixth of Sunningdale knew as a you know as, as a pair of holes, par three and par five. Um, God, I mean, I, I mean, I, I could I could go on. I mean, I'm, I'm just my my brain is just thinking of courses near the top of the list, and they all have very very special holes. I think the start of Burnham and Barrow would be something that I think takes some beating. So the first three of Burnham and Barrow, I just think, well, how do you, you know, how that, you know, I'm just I just want to sort of roll roll around on the ground and go, you know, that this is where I want to be. Um, yeah, it's a very unfair question, Steve. Please don't do that again. I'll, I'll let you off with seven. <laughs> um, I am going to pick two. Um, I would have had the the twelfth at Birkdale, but but you've um, you've cruelly stolen that from me. 
Um, I'm going to go for the uh, fourth at Swinley Forest. If there's a, uh, yeah, it's ju- just a sensational par three. And, and I was going to say, if you could find me a better par three, um, you'd probably be a better man than I. But there is the fifth at Worlington as well, which is just, uh, it's just Agreed. Yeah, well, I am a bit of a sucker for short holes. You know, when I put together uh, a top 18, par threes, for some reason, feature quite strongly, which is odd because I'm terrible at par threes, um, yeah. but, but, they're, but they're always there. And, and I think our, it, it's no surprise that um, our golden age architects are so renowned um, for their par three, where particularly Colt and McKenzie. So, mm. um, those holes for me but I, I would i would urge listeners you know if you've got the opportunity to comment on this podcast please do so because maybe we'll put together a reader's best 18 that or a listener's best 18 and that would be fantastic dan uh, what's next for ncg's top 100s um, next year we we head north and we return to scotland um to um survey uh, and update the list that we created um for what we started creating four years ago um, so um, hugely looking forward to that. It's a very different challenge to uh, to, to England um, geographically. It has its challenges, of course, there are uh, uh, islands and, uh, and, what, and what have you to consider. Um, and obviously um, some, well, uh, the odd, very notable um, new contender this year. Um, yes, Dunbarney, I'm thinking of you. Um, so uh, uh, thoroughly looking forward to um, uh, spending lots of time in Scotland next year uh, pandemic permitting um and we will uh, we'll update the list at, the, at this time next year so that is not going to be a hardship uh, apart from quite a lot of traveling and we will be back next year with another season of ncg's top 100 podcasts and i'm sure we'll be delving back into our england list while also talking to some of those clubs north of the border about fantastic work that's going on in scotland thank you for joining us on the podcast uh, have a merry christmas and a happy new year and we look forward to seeing you in 2022 